0: You doing? Good morning. Yeah, we're good.
1: Good. Nice living room we got here.
0: <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for coming and uh, coming here to share with us a little bit about what you do. So, maybe we should start by you guys sharing a little bit about who you are and uh, a little bit about your family. I see a picture already there.
1: Yeah, it's already yeah. there. <laughs> so, that actually was just taken uh, about a week ago um, at Lake McDonald up near Glacier Park. Uh, So uh, as you can see, Marla and I are on the far ends. Uh, Our oldest son, Garrett, is standing next to me, would be, uh, I think, on your right. Uh, And then our our third, uh, Tristan, is next to him. Garrett is 25, Um, Tristan is 21. Our daughter, Sadie, is 24. And then our youngest, Cameron, is 18, just graduated from high school. And so uh, Marla and I are, uh, we're very proud of them. They're great kids. Uh, we had a great time together. This is the first time that all six of us have been together in about three years. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a great time to, to be with them and spend some time um, as a family. Yeah. Yeah. I am from, uh, <coughs> I'm originally from, from the US. Marla's taken over the control now of the, of <laughs> the interview. Um, I'm, I'm from, uh, originally from Montana. Um, Marla is from Colorado. Um, About the only way the two of us could get together was we met on a missions trip in 1989 in Africa. And uh, so, uh, just like you would imagine, right?
2: Yeah, a Montana Uh, boy and a city girl. That's the only place we would have met.
1: Yeah. So then Marla and I um, went to the Philippines in 1998 um, and we... Spent several furloughs here. Our kids uh, went to school at uh, Helena Christian for a year, uh, for six months, I guess. And uh, so they have, Helena feels like
0: home to them uh, a lot of times too. Sure. And so what's the mission organization that you guys are with? Um, It's OC International, right? OC International, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, OC International is based in Colorado Springs. Um, We have about 300 people around the world, 300 US-sent personnel around the world. Um, OC is a part of the, the OC, a bigger group called the OC Global Alliance, which is made up of uh, 14 countries who have their own national boards, national directors. Um, In fact, I think Jezer knew some of our OC missionaries in Brazil. Yeah, uh, that's correct. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that was the first, it's not about me, but... The very first organization that actually when I went through college was with OC International and later on a different one but I knew yeah. some of the people from OC so
1: so we we are we're very excited about the things that God is doing through uh, through our people through our ministry and so um, we have been with OC now for since 1997
0: so. okay well some people don't know you so I have to ask this so. What's the connection with Hannaford? How you guys end up knowing us here, and, you know, some people are curious about that. Marlon, maybe you can answer that.
2: Yeah, well, Rich's parents moved to Helena. Ninety-one. In 91. Yeah. Um, Dick and Arlene Henderson, and so they were attending Hannaford. So when we came home on our first furlough, uh, we decided to plant ourselves here in Helena for the six months. Uh, well, no, we were here for a year the first go around um, so we started coming to Hannaford and every furlough after that when we lived in Helena we came to Hannaford.
0: Yeah, so. That's great and you guys were neighbors with my laws Yeah we actually, we actually lived there. Okay yeah. <laughs> yeah so we lived there before you did. Before <laughs> I did <laughs> so that's where I am now so all right well good so um, there is so you guys been missionaries for how long then what's the Extend period of time, like for for how long?
1: With the same organization? Same organization, yeah. We left uh, left the US in 1998 and our first involvement in the Philippines was with uh, Sports Ambassadors, which is a part of OC International, Uh, using sports as a way to uh, win people to Christ using basketball. Um, Filipinos in particular love basketball, the sport of basketball, which is, uh, most Filipinos are not very tall. But uh, basketball is very popular. And uh, so we used that as an opportunity to help local churches grow and and, uh, expand and plant new churches in other areas. And so then we we moved into um, other responsibilities. I, in 2007, I became the field director for our teams in all of the Philippines. And we made a move from the south to Mm -hmm. Manila. Um, And then in 2016, uh, I became the field, or the area director for our teams throughout Asia. Um, along that same time, Marla became uh, a member of the Board of Directors uh, in, 2000, in 2007, I guess it was, um, <clears throat> in Manila at Faith Academy. Um, and that soon led then in 2018, um, to a role as the HR Director uh, at Faith Academy. And so we're in the process now of a transition. Um, I have just accepted a job as the U.S. Area Director. Um, and so we'll be transitioning in September to Colorado Springs, um, where I'll take on that role. Uh, but Marla is, is going to be this, the senior director of personnel for OC. And so, really, she's responsible for all of our US-cent personnel hiring and no firing, but you know.
0: Yeah. No firing, including uh, she's in, your in, boss Including too. me, yeah, yeah. So If he doesn't
2: yeah. get the dishes done, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Very good. So in the middle of that transition, how are you guys doing? You know, transition with jobs and moving from the field to a different field. So what's some uh, how you guys are OK with that? How you feel about it? You know,
2: well, transition is hard no matter what the transition. Um, so we're kind of taking one day at a time. It was definitely hard leaving the Philippines. That's home. For, I would say, all of us. Um, how, how long was that again? Like, almost 23 years? years.
0: 23 years yeah. in the Philippines.
2: Yeah. Wow. So our kids like to say that we're reverse Oreos. We're white on the outside, but brown on the inside. <laughs> so, um, which is true. We've definitely taken on some of the culturalisms um, and mannerisms of Filipino culture. But... Um, We're also becoming sort of empty nesters. Our youngest just graduated from high school. We don't have any significant others with our children yet. Um, But we've always said that we'll leave when God wants us to leave, and we'll move where God wants us to move to. And so while it's hard to leave home, it was hard to leave the US to go to the Philippines. It's hard to leave the Philippines to come to the US. Um, We're not quite sure what home is anymore. But uh, with God's help and the grace He gives us each day, um, I think we'll make it.
0: Yeah, right. We'll be praying for you for that. Okay. Well, um, obviously, there's a lot of people who want to ask that question. So, the last few years been very challenging for everybody. So, probably including people in the Philippines and you guys. So, can you walk us through that, all the difficulties that you guys have, and also some of the challenges, but also some of the silver linings that you guys see with those challenges as you in the field.
1: Um, we'll go to, I'll let Marla tell you some of this story, but um, in 2018, <clears throat> some of the challenges, and some of you have, I know some, of, many of you have been praying for, for us. Marla had some health issues um, in 2018. Um, in, on February 28th, uh, <clears throat> I awoke in the morning to hear this in our upstairs uh, room and our youngest son Cameron uh, yelling to me dad something's wrong with mom Uh, it's it's still an emotional type of thing Uh, we talked about this last night with Jezer and a group of people the emotions are good though they're it's a part of the the healing process but uh, when I got upstairs Marla was collapsed on the floor Uh, she wasn't breathing she didn't have a pulse and uh, I decided at that point that it was uh, uh, time to put the CPR training I had learned 20 years ago and forgotten most of it uh, to use and uh, uh, fortunately for, for all of us, uh, you included Marla is still with us. Um, i 'm going to let her tell you about what, uh, what all of this what caused all of this, but uh, the faith le- lesson for us, the, the journey, the courage that it took to to go through all of this uh, and the peace then that came from all of that um, is, is something that we have been, it's, it's been a great blessing. I mean it was, it was difficult, it was hard, but it was uh, something that um, uh, God used to encourage us and I think others around the world in how um, in the midst of all of this struggle, even uh, the difficulties that we as a family endured um, There was a good there were good things that came out of it. So I'll let Marla
0: tell you a little yeah, bit more about Marla, just, um, So
2: I collapsed and you know, I just collapsed I don't have any recollections of any of that and unfortunately I kind of feel like I got ripped off because I didn't have the Jesus Bright light calling to me <laughs> moment. Um, I didn't get to see Jesus or heaven um, Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I wouldn't have wanted to come back anyway um, so I, I had pulmonary emboli, and they couldn't figure out why. Um, and I kept throwing clots, and they couldn't figure out why. Um, in the Philippines, they ran every test they could run, and um, said you should go to the states. They can do more things, but you can't fly because I had a two-inch clot just below my heart. And they said you can't, you just can't fly. Well, we did a lot of praying, and talked to a few other doctors, and all Christians who said, you know, God is bigger than your clot. And if you need to get to the US, you need to trust him and just fly. So we flew. Long story short, lots of different things happened. Um, Found out I had a a rare form of cancer that is very treatable, thankfully. Um, Had a couple surgeries, kind of a marathon surgery. And I know many of you signed on to the, the prayer chart that a friend had put together, so thank you so much for those prayers. Um, I was under, so I don't remember any of it, but I know they blessed my family. Um, So currently, I am three, almost three years out from that surgery, and while I'll never probably be cancer free, I am currently no evidence of disease, if you know those terms. So, um, Lord willing, we're going to just keep moving forward with with health
0: is that okay if i ask you how that experience was for the kids and you know i don't want to be insensitive but no
2: not at all not at all um so two of our kids were in the philippines with us and experienced my collapse and watching dad do cpr and um the journey to the hospital was actually kind of humorous because i was like a noodle i couldn't hold myself up and It was better better for us
1: to drive to the hospital than to call an ambulance at that point.
2: Um, I recently, this summer, actually asked all of my kids. It can push people one direction. It either can draw you closer to God or or it really can push you away as to why did it even happen. Um, The two younger ones who were there, definitely it moved them closer. And they saw the step-by-step... miracles and and kind of were part of it not to say that they're not making their own you know teenage mistakes but um our older two it's been a little bit of a different journey for them um it has not pushed them away but they're still kind of wrestling a little bit with mom will always have this cancer now and and i mentioned last night um, post-collapse, post-surgery, Marla is different than pre-collapse surgery, Marla. Um, the little bit of compassion I did have is kind of gone. Um,
1: I, I think they took it out in the surgery. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're kind of. Um, <laughs> and I just, uh, you just, you know, when you almost die, there's just no time for. What's the word? Um, Messing around. Yeah, you just don't mess around. Mess around. You, you just kind of. And so, if I'm going to say something, I'm going to just say it and for my kids that means i don't pull any punches with them anymore Um, they have to love me so um (laughs) but uh, it's been a good journey Um, we've talked a lot with our kids and everywhere about god's sovereignty and how it doesn't matter if i would got enough i'm taking away from your sermon i got (laughs) up off the floor or not that god is sovereign no matter no matter what and we have to trust in his new mercies every morning doesn't mean i get up off the floor it did this time kind of a thing um but we have to just rest in god's sovereignty
0: yeah i'm so glad that you can see that as god's provision and see some positives we're looking forward to hear them more <laughs> so and then yeah there you go so and then there's COVID years you know um, we we had a little bit of perspective of the world just a little bit but I can't imagine what what do you guys experience with that and how that affect your ministry and how you guys turn around
1: well like it like you saw the impact here I mean the the whole world has seen the impact from COVID right so it's um, from a ministry perspective well backing up a little bit the the Philippines um, is a very very small country with a large population and so the the government has um, right or wrong has made an effort to Uh, keep people isolated and to prevent the disease from spreading rapidly amongst the very heavy high densely populated areas Um, so the lockdowns in the in the country are still ongoing and have been now for about 18 months Um, so that makes it difficult if you're trying to do ministry by moving around and so the wonderful thing about that though that this it has pushed many of our people to experience to or experiment and to try new things in order to reach people to help churches to to look to See growth amongst uh, the churches as they're trying to even plant new churches in the midst of all of this and so Lots of really exciting things still taking place. God is still um, God is not oblivious to this He obviously knows what's going on and still is providing many opportunities for our people in all of Asia Uh, not just the Philippines, uh, to continue the process of seeing people come to Christ and sharing the gospel with people uh, around Asia.
2: It did affect Faith Academy in a pretty significant way. Um, A lot of our teachers either couldn't get into the country for this last school year, so we had teachers all around the world, we had students all around the world, we had students who couldn't get in, we had students who actually couldn't get out. so that was a challenge, um, especially in HRs. We're trying to help people do their jobs, but keep their sanity when they're teaching at 2 o'clock in the morning, things like that. So, um, but like Rich said, we all learned from it, whether it was new technology or quite a few of my teachers, I don't know how many of you are teachers, said um, it was like being a first year teacher all over again. But it really helped them learn to teach differently. Um, so the other thing that came out of it, I i don't know if I say I participated, I watched a webinar um, from a U.S. school here about uh, recruitment for missionaries, and I really, going into it, thought, oh, this is going to be depressing, you know, nobody's going to want to join missions, nobody can travel, and their studies, their information was showing that really recruitment had increased because of the pandemic people were seeing that we're not invincible, and people were dying without, lots of people were dying globally without having heard the good news of Jesus Christ and his saving his, as our savior. And so more people are wanting to go and be part of, whether it's overseas, whether it's via Zoom, whether it's here in the US, but that's just, for me, that is so exciting um that God takes this pandemic that's horrible and none of us want it we're wishing it was all finished at least I am um and turned it into something good I mean we see that throughout scripture but to be able to really look at it in a different way has been great I think
0: I think it's great that you can see that as in a positive I, we experienced a little bit of that at church too you know more people are interested in being part of it and you know uh reaching out online and so that's good that's really good Um, anything uh, is there any ways that we can pray for you as a church that we can be part of your ministry in that way I mean I'm sure you're going to talk a little bit about about later on yeah
1: Um, I think just praying with us as we make this transition uh, to the US Uh, 23 years ago when we left for the Philippines we we needed to purchase uh, things to set up a house and, and to live in the Philippines and and so none of that's everything stayed in the Philippines and so we're kind of starting all over again and so you can just kind of pray with us in this transition of how to make all of that work again. Um, Housing expenses are are very high currently in the U.S. uh, and especially in Colorado Springs so just uh, you can pray with us that we have joked a lot about living in the van that we have uh, but uh, Lord willing that won't be necessary but uh, you can just pray with us in that process of the transition. Not necessarily so much that, you know, God's going to provide a a chunk of gold for us to buy a house, but the idea just that the peace that we need in order to move forward will be there and this this transition won't become all about what we don't have, but about the great things that we do have.
0: Thank you so much. Later on we're going to pray for them and uh, at this point we're going to have Rich, he's going to share a little bit about what God is doing in his heart and share to us. So let's give a hand. Thank you so much, guys. Good. Thanks.
1: All right. Well, we're excited. Uh, as we said, we're excited to, to be here with you guys. Um, lots, of, lots of changes have taken place since we were here. When Marla was sick, um, several years ago um, we had intended to be here but with with the way things were going with her health uh, it just didn't work out for us to to actually make the trip and so it's been about uh, five or six years since we've been here so I'm recognizing a lot of faces out there some of you have less hair than you used to Uh, and yeah, that's true for me too Um, but let's uh, let me just start off by Telling you, if for those of you who are not uh, familiar with our ministry, um, we do have a prayer card out there back on the information table. It's an old card; it doesn't look like the picture that you saw of our family on the screen. But we are getting new ones here with hopefully within the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, if you are interested in knowing more about our ministry and being a part of our team, you can take one of these cards, shoot us an email, which is on the back of the card, and we can send you a new. Uh, updated picture with a little bit of an updated explanation of our responsibilities uh, when we get to Colorado Springs. So before we start this morning, why don't we, uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for, for Hannaford, thankful for the, the ministry that is ongoing here. We're thankful for the leadership. We're thankful for, for what you have done in this church uh, for decades. And so, Lord, we are, are grateful for that. And so, Father, as we, as we spend a few minutes just talking about uh, courage, about faith, and about peace, I just pray, Lord, that you would override my preparation. May these words that I speak this morning be from, from your heart, be from you, Lord. Um, help us all to understand what you've called us to do and who we are in your sight. And so, Father, I thank you for this morning and for these people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I wanted to, to tell you a little bit about, um, to talk a little bit this morning about courage uh, and, what it, and how that courage results in faith. And really then the byproduct of that courage and that faith is the peace that all of us have. And so really I want to talk this morning a little bit about what the real meaning of, of peace is. And as uh, I mentioned to you uh, earlier, Hannaford has been supporting us since we left for the Philippines in 1998. And so we're, we're extremely grateful for that. Uh, the faith that the church has uh, expressed in us in, in your prayers and the financial support that you've given us has been truly beneficial. Um, even to some of our Filipino teammates, um, recently the church has helped out one of our um, One of our Filipino teammates uh, by the name of Tata Minya, uh, in his process of moving into a new responsibility. And so so we're very grateful for not only your support of us, but also of our teammates. And so I want to share a couple of verses with you this morning. And we're going to look in the book of John. So if you want to turn to the book of John, chapter 16, verses 33, verse 33. We'll start with that one. And then uh, in a few minutes, we'll get to the second one. So if you want to follow along with me in John 16, verse 33, these are Jesus' words. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So this this takes place at the Last Supper, the night before Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Um, And John, the writer of this book, gives us... Four chapters of his teaching to the disciples as they're sitting around the table. And most likely, they were laying around the table. And I'm sure you've all seen pictures. There's all sorts of pictures out there, right, of, of the Last Supper, where they're sitting at a table all facing one direction, which is probably not the way it actually looked. they probably were more, more lounging around the table. But as Jesus is teaching, there's four chapters here. And in chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet and then they begin the meal where Jesus tells them all that Judas is about to betray them. And this is also the chapter where he predicts that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows. In chapter 14, Jesus tells uh, the disciples he's the only way to God the Father. Without Jesus, there's no path to God the Father. And he also promises them that the Holy Spirit will come to them after he leaves, which at that point, I don't think any of them really understood. In chapter 15, Jesus teaches them about remaining connected to God. I am the vine, you are the branches, he says. Uh, And he also talks about obeying him. He also tells them that because they're connected to God, that the world is probably going to hate them. In chapter 16, where we read in, in verse 33, he teaches them more about the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit, he also talks to them about how to pray in his name and so let me read that verse to you again in chapter 16 verse 33 it says I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world so in the NIV it it uses the phrase so that so that in me you may have peace He's telling them all this information so that they can have peace. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, this is how how Christianity uh, is different from other religions around the world. Christ was arrested, he was crucified, buried, and on the third day, he was resurrected. He overcame everything there was in this world, even death, and so with no resurrection, there's really no faith there's really nothing that makes christianity any different and so as we all when we celebrate Easter for many of us Easter really is the celebration of the christian faith even though christmas tends to be a little bit bigger easter really is the celebration of our faith right because of Jesus' resurrection so in in chapter sixteen He says, in me, you will find peace. Jesus is the only way to God and a personal relationship with him, believing that he is the son of God and that he's paid the price for your sins, for my sins. When I first understood this truth, I was uh, 17 years old. Our family was going through a bit of a tragedy. Uh, A family member had died in a car accident uh, at a very young age and I searched uh, and it became evident to me who God was, who Jesus was, that he loved us. That situation was anything but peaceful. Um, But finally realizing that God sent his son for me, that Jesus was the sacrifice for my sin, changed everything. By putting my faith in Jesus only as as my only way to eternity, that changed my life. Uh, and I hope that many of you can find peace that way. If you are not a believer, you haven't understood this truth before, I hope that maybe even these verses or other verses that you find in Scripture can help you understand that Jesus is the only way to God the Father, and he is the only way to an eternal life with him. My prayer also would be that for many of you that, that haven't understood that truth and don't understand that peace yet, that maybe you know someone here who can help you with that in that conversation. The second verse I want to talk to you about um, this morning is found in chapter 20 of John. So if you want to turn to chapter 20, um, and this is verse 21. So this this verse takes place after Christ has risen from the dead. So in chapter 16, he's at the Last Supper just before Judas uh, gives him up to the, uh, to the death squad. Um, Mary Magdalene, on the third day, is going to the tomb, and she gets to the tomb and it's empty. Christ is risen. It's also the chapter where John, who's writing the book, author of this book, outruns the Apostle Peter. Uh, this may be the only book in the Bible where a, where a gospel writer talks about how fast he is. Uh, I, don't think that, uh, I don't think that John being the disciple that Jesus loved the most was loved because he was fast. But this is the way John describes it as he, as he outruns Peter to the tomb and finds it empty and Christ is risen. And so in this chapter, Jesus also appears to the disciples in a locked room after the... After the uh, the grave scene, the disciples have moved to a um, to a locked room, they've locked the door because they're fearful they're fearful because if Jesus' body is gone they're fearful that they're going to be accused of stealing it and so they're in a locked room and all of a sudden Jesus appears. Now I don't have any idea whether Jesus walked through the walls or he walked through the locked door or he just appeared in the room But he's there in the room with them, and he had to show his hands to them, the pierced hands and the pierced side, in order for them to believe that he was who he said he was. But it's here in John chapter 20, verse 21, that Jesus gives them a new assignment. And so let's read this verse. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so this is, this is the first message of the Great Commission. This is the first time in the Gospels. Each of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all talk about the Great Commission. In Matthew uh, 28, verses 19 and 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. In the Gospel of Mark, 16:15, he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke, who also many believe wrote the book of Acts, um, quotes Jesus as giving the actual plan for carrying out the Great Commission. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's found in Acts 1, 8. But John's version is the first version of them all where Jesus reiterates the mission several times following his resurrection. But the one recorded by John was the the very first. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And notice he then says, at the beginning, he says, uh, peace be with you. He adds that part of there. You know, peace is a great thing. Peace is the calm assurance that we have from God that he's doing what's best for us, right? Uh, peace comes from knowing that he's in control of our lives, that he's controlling what's happening around us, Calls it causing all things to work for good for those who are called according to his purpose, which is also found in Romans 8.28. Peace is God's way of signaling to all of us that we can trust him, that we can put our faith in him, That we have the courage to believe that he is who he says he is. And I think probably for all of us, we'd all like to have a little bit more peace. But God doesn't give his peace so that you'll have a a better week, right? He doesn't give us us peace so that we can buy the things that we want. He doesn't give us peace um, so that we get a good night's sleep. God gives us his peace so that we can make an impact. His peace is primarily for the purpose of enabling you to participate in what it is that God's doing around the world what he's doing in your house what he's doing next door in your to your house with your neighbors a few years ago Marla and I were in Turkey and we were in some meetings with some some Turkish believers and so many of us were we praying with this this man and uh, We were praying for his protection we were praying for the the christians in turkey for their protection and when it came time for him to to pray he prayed for more persecution for the church in turkey this was shocking to us but his reason for this was in his words the church multiplies faster in the midst of the persecution and he had complete peace with this he knew what god was doing and trusted that what God was doing was right. God's work is not always about our safety. A few concepts are more important than the fact that God is not here for us. Uh, In spite of what the world tells us, it's not all about us, right? We have to frequently get over our own humanness before God can work in us. So when we hear Jesus saying to the first disciples, peace be with you, we realize he's still just as eager to lift your cares off you today as he was then. And here's why. Because like those followers, he's given each of us a job to do. And the cares you lug around with you keep you from doing the job that God has for you. But by giving them over to God, we can experience his peace. Then we can get busy doing the things that God wants us to do for his kingdom the things that he's left us here on this planet to do. When Marla was sick, as we mentioned in 2018, uh, especially at the very beginning, I was beside myself, especially emotionally in my head. Uh, I had uh, 50 people that I was responsible for that were counting on me for leadership and guidance. And I honestly struggled with, uh, with dealing with her illness and as well as continuing my role. And one morning I was sitting in a church service listening to the worship songs. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's typical, Josh, that uh, most people get more out of uh, out of the worship songs. Sorry, John. Uh, it's, it's Josh that many people are here for, to hear the worship songs. But uh, <clears throat> what I heard that, that morning to my soul and my heart was that that God loved me, and in spite of the fact that Marla could have died or that she may have died soon after that, could I still believe that God loved me? In spite of all of the chaos, in spite of the pain and the suffering, did I believe that God was still God? And it took some time to process that before I realized that absolutely. You know, frequently we we spend a lot of time looking at our feet in the midst of struggles, right? We're so focused on what's happening around us that we forget to look up and see the bigger picture of what God's doing around us. If you think about what God's plan is for uh, for humanity, the fact that we have a place in heaven with God if we put our faith in him and trust in him, there's nothing to separate us from that. God's plan is so much bigger than Marla's cancer. God's plan is so much bigger than what's happening at our work, what's happening in our jobs. And so, as we process all of this, as we, as we see the things that God is doing around us, each of us has a choice to make. Do we believe that God is a good God, that he's planned good things for us? It doesn't mean that we won't face tragedy. Let me, let me tell you a little secret of us are going to die eventually but God still has a plan God has God's plan is bigger than just us here and it isn't about us it's not about me it's about what God wants to do through us and there's a great peace that comes with that and I think that's what John is talking about here in these two different verses there are we work with a lot of different Asians Filipinos men and women from other countries uh, around Asia. Some of them, I can't tell you where they are. Um, But God is doing great things amongst many of these people. There are lots of stories. I'd love to tell you all of them, but we don't have the time for me to express the things that God is doing in the lives of our Asian brothers and sisters around the world. where Men and women are coming to Christ in huge numbers in places that you would not expect. God is doing great things. And the things that he's doing through these people is because of the peace that they have, the peace that they have found, like John is talking about here in this scripture. It's exciting to for us. It's also a little uh, upsetting that we are moving back to the U.S. because we're not a, a part of all of these things uh, up close. But one of the stories I want to tell you is actually about the group from Hannaford that came to the Philippines in 2014. I believe the numbers were around 17 youth and 10 adults. Uh, John brought that group, and the purpose of that was there was a massive typhoon in the Philippines in the end of 2013. Uh, This group came to help us, as we were helping a local church in an area that was devastated by the typhoon. Over 6,000 people were killed in this area by this typhoon. And so this group from Hannaford came. uh, Several experienced contractors and builders came. And we were going to build three small houses for this little church to help them recover so that they could help their neighbors recover. We built these three small houses in less than 10 days. Um, Lord willing, those houses stood for 10 days. But building those houses was not the point because two years later as I visited with the, the church leaders they expressed their love and thankfulness for Hannaford coming not because of the three small houses that we built but because of the new church that they planted because of the peace they discovered from our generosity our willingness to come and help them Our willingness to sacrifice and to build them up gave them the peace to understand that God had a plan for them to continue the work that they had been doing. And so they continued to reach out to people who had been devastated by the typhoon and they planted a a whole new church. These are the types of things that God does in us when we experience his peace. And so part of that story and I'm not sure that any of you have ever uh, heard that about this church that that Hannaford helped, Uh, but it has been a a tremendous blessing for us. God's peace is not given to us as an upgrade of our happiness. Um, He's not here to diagram a more pleasurable life for any of us. He's given us peace as a freedom and a release into purposeful living, worshiping and evangelizing for him. He liberates us from things that burden our hearts so that, there's that word again, so that we can be freed up for kingdom work, which, as God knows, leads us to what what we wanted all along, to the only real happiness and joy we're capable of of experiencing, not as the goal, but simply as the byproduct of peace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for for your words. I thank you for your encouragement. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with all of us, Father. Help us to understand that the peace that we require only comes from you. The comfort and and the joys of our heart are only from serving you, not from the financial gains or the things that you have given us. But Lord, I just pray that you would Help us all to sense that. Help us all to understand that. And for those who have not put their faith and, and trust in you, I pray, Father, for the courage for them to do that today, to find someone that they could speak to, someone who could help them understand how much your grace and mercy means in their lives and how much you want to spend eternity with them. So, Father, I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for Hannaford, and I pray that you would bless us all so that we may be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.